Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When it came time for a promotion, I knew I had it. Like, there's no way I wouldn't get promoted. Right. And so I didn't get the job. The excuse was, you need more experience. Okay, fine. Worked my butt off again, you know, stayed late. Came in to work on the weekends, just knowing I would get it the second time. Mm. Second time came around, and the job went to a Caucasian woman um, who had less education, less experience, wasn't clinical, Mm. and she even received poor feedback on her performance. And on top of that, before they gave it to her, I even found out that they approached a white man who didn't even apply for the position Damn. and asked him if he wanted it. If he wanted it, 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 if he wanted it. Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. That would be when Art chimes in. Art's wrapped up tonight, so it's me solo. But you know that's all good. It doesn't even make a difference. We're going to rock this thing. Got a hell of a topic that relates to you. And I I know this one's going to... I know you're going to feel this one. Like, that's, that's the best way to put it. I know you are going to feel this one. Because, you know, as black folks, sometimes we do too much. Sometimes we do. Matter of fact, that should probably be the name of this episode, Doing Too Much. But... It's not just that we do too much. Sometimes too much is done to us. And I can speak personally here. I do a lot. I am busy as hell. I stay busy. And because of that, there's this pressure that I feel every single day. And being honest, I am absolutely responsible for some of it. Some of it, not all of it. And over time, it it takes its toll. But, But here's the truth. If this system that we live in were set up more fair and with equity in mind, maybe I or, or we wouldn't feel the pileup of the stress that limits our ability to build and to better. Like maybe then the, the side hustles that I'm into or you're into wouldn't feel like the tip of an iceberg on top of an iceberg. But if we're real for a moment, you know, many times the stresses that we feel from our main job are already too much operating inside of a system that wasn't built for us and forces us to play a game that we shouldn't have to play in the first place. And if we have to play that game just to make a living, just to survive, that's pressure too. But this game, it's rigged. It's rigged with systematic racism and and oppression and all kind of other stuff that's normal and encouraged and accepted behaviors inside of your job in corporate America or wherever you work. And they impact you, whether you know it or not, whether you have been enlightened enough to recognize how those things impact you. I can speak from experience that they absolutely do. And and that's what we're talking about today. It's the ways that this systematic racing can and often does affect you at work. 
and how when you are infected with it, you carry that infection home and it creeps into your ability to manage the rest of your life, which is already difficult because life is not easy. That's why we have friends and partners and support systems because this shit is tough, period. And our guest today, she went through the fire at work. And that fire spread to the house. It got hotter and it blazed bigger and brighter. And ultimately, she went through some significant health issues that put her in a different frame of mind, a different place. And it's something that every one of you listening can understand. And if you can't, for whatever reason, give it a year or two years or five years. At some point, you'll think back and be like, damn, I get it now. I didn't get it then, but I get it now. So with that, I want to introduce our guest. Today, we are speaking with Kim Ali. Now, Kim is a master's level educated registered nurse who, through her own critical experiences, has dedicated herself to helping us manage and mitigate the systems of bias and racism that impact us on our jobs. What manifests as burnout can often be the symptom of a bigger issue that can lead to underperformance or high turnover, low morale, mental and physical health impacts, and significant impact to both your work-life balance, home balance, and overall quality of life. Now, I've talked a whole lot more than I normally do, but I wanted to set this thing up because it is so important and it is so relevant to you, whether you know it today or not, you will know it. So with that, I'm going to shut up. Kim, welcome to Wild Black. Thank you so much for that powerful intro. I will try to match that. (laughs) (laughs) Look, it's, it's, it's the kind of thing where, man, when you have lived it, it is easy to speak it. I've gone through situations where I had to literally pull back from everything just to manage my life. And, and it's, it's a thing like as a, as a grown man, it took me going through so much to realize sometimes if I want to survive, I've got to pull back and protect me. Not even protect sometimes. Sometimes it wasn't about protection. It was about healing. Like I needed to go in and take the time. So I'm glad to have you here. Why don't you tell the folks just a little bit more about you? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I am originally from the DMV, uh, grew up in Maryland, and went to college in Miami, Florida. I don't know how I graduated. <laughs> you was in the, <laughs> was in the streets, on South Beach. <laughs> yeah, know. stayed on I South know. Beach Wednesday through Sunday. <laughs> but I um, got my Cleveland. nursing degree there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, wet willy. Mm. <laughs> cut, cut no. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's another show. But anyway, um, yeah, no. So I got my um, bachelor's in nursing at Florida International University, and um, I always say that you know, growing up in the DMV is almost like a bubble, right? right. Because you have so many blacks that are, you know, in politics, um, you know, in the government, um, business owners, right? And so you really don't know what's happening outside, you know, of your bubble. Up until uh, I moved away, I never experienced racism, right? And you've mentioned something very uh, significant in your intro about give it time and you will see. And so that's what happened with me. So after I got my degree in nursing, um, I did travel nursing, Um, worked in New York, California, Texas. And that's when I really learned, you know, what the true meaning of systemic racism was, right? But when I lived overseas, what happened to me overseas can't compare 
to any experience that I had mm. up until um, living overseas. Mm. Well, look, um, I don't, I don't want you to go into that yet. We're, we're, we're yeah. going to move into that part in a second. I want, I want to slow it down. Mm-hmm. I want to jump into our wild black shit. And I, I told you when we had our prep call what it was, but our listeners know they love mm-hmm. this is a section where we have a lot of fun. It connects you to them, helps you to relax, does all this good magical stuff so we have an amazing interview. Can we jump into that? Are you ready for that? I'm ready. All right, all right. We got three questions for you. The first two are kind of fun, laid back. The last one is our signature question that we ask every guest. I'm going to start with number one. Listen, black folks are always talking about receipts. Show the receipts. Mm -hmm. Pull out the receipts. So when we think about receipts, tell me, what are two or three things that black folks love to screenshot? Because that's where the receipts typically come (laughs) from. What, What are we screenshotting? Oh, gosh. Okay. So if you are a business owner, I know black people love to screenshot those invoices. Mm -hmm. Um, That was first on my list. Bill bill confirmation (laughs) of some type. Right. Or either, you know, how much you're making Mm -hmm. in your business. We are infamous for doing that. We don't want nobody to come behind Um, and be like, you ain't pay. You owe us more. No. (laughs) Right here, homeboy. I got you. Screenshot. Receipts. Right. Um, another thing, we love to DM conversations, mm-hmm. right? Are we not to screenshot conversations in the DM? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I don't know if any other, you know, race or ethnicity that is infamous for doing that. And we got to post it on social media on top of that. It, it ain't safe. It ain't safe going in them DMs. It ain't safe. You getting screenshotted. And some somebody laughing at you. Promise you that. The, the third one for me, it, it might just be me and my friends, but it's always always a picture or a meme or something that I'm screenshotting so I can use it to talk shit about one of my homeboys in the future. I got a whole file oh, yeah. full of those images just to talk <laughs> shit. When, when, when it's time, I'm ready. All right. So <laughs> this next question I thought was hilarious. In the Black Hair Hall of Fame, you know, if there was one. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Which one of these brothers would be inducted first? Old school Al Sharpton, Barry White, DJ Quick, Cat Williams, Prince, or Andre 3000? Mm, I would have to say Al Sharpton because he was the originator of the high top fade. Okay. <laughs> Good old Al. And I was thinking along the, along the lines of every one of these brothers had a perm at some point. Rocking that dog on perm. That too. <laughs> All right. Third question. Signature question. Tell me what you love most about Life While Black. I love our resilience, right? I mean, you look at a race that was enslaved, you know, almost less than 200 years ago, 
And, you know, look at the things that we're doing. I mean, we're in politics, law, uh, medicine, owning businesses. You know, each generation just keeps, you know, bouncing back stronger and stronger despite what is thrown at us. And so I love, you know, our resiliency and, you know, how persistent we are. Yeah, that's a beautiful answer. We we hear some form of resiliency come back so often. And every time I hear it, it just makes me proud because there is always a new way to measure how resilient we are. And on top of that, it's, it's, it's not even just historical. It's right now. There is always a need for us to stand through something, bounce back from something, recover from something, overcome to win something that people didn't think we were going to recover from. Like, mm-hmm. I'm almost tired of being resilient, <laughs> right? But, but we're so good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get into this um, a little bit later on in the show about what you just said. Good. Break. I, I can't wait. <laughs> All right. I'm going to move into the dope quote. Now, the dope quote is something from history, religion, science, entertainment. doesn't really matter. It is typically from the mouth of someone black. And it just ties so nicely to the episode and the theme of today. So I'm going to read it. And I'd love to get your thoughts on it after. The very serious function of racism is distraction. It keeps you from doing your work. It keeps you explaining over and over again your reason for being. I'm going to read it one more time. The very serious function of racism is, is distraction. It keeps you from doing your work. It keeps you explaining over and over again your reason for being by Toni Morrison. When you hear that, tell me what comes to mind for you. First of all, I just got to say, great minds think alike. I posted that quote on LinkedIn about a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I posted it, because she said that 47 years ago. And that quote is still relevant today. Now, you know, work that you and I are doing, we still have to constantly fight and prove ourselves to show that we belong and that we are capable of doing the job. Yeah. It's a shame, too. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, we we talk about this from time to you know, I'm not gonna ask that question because we'll 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 go all off script if I even ask that question. <laughs> all right. So I wanna I wanna move into the core part of the interview. And I, I'd love to start with this. I don't know if you watch Marvel movies or superhero movies, but every one of, of our superheroes and, and the vast majority of the supervillains that we love or or hate or despise or watch or whatever, each of them has like a path an experience that set them on the way to being who they are today. They have an origin story. And the same, I think, is true for so many of the causes and organizations that are in place to help us do something, get better, improve, connect, do something. So in that, I'd love if you take a few moments and really talk about your origin story, because I've heard it, and I know how powerful it is and how well it ties to who you are today and why you do the work. So what's your origin story? Mm, Okay. Well, as a travel nurse, um, a lot of times I was the only black nurse on the unit. And I've had several contracts canceled because I was accused of doing something that I didn't do. But fine, no biggie. You know, travel nurses, we can get a contract wherever we want, Mm -hmm. right? However, about... Seven years ago, everything shifted. So I had an opportunity to go overseas 
to open up a women and children's hospital in a country called Qatar. Um, if you haven't heard of it, it's about 45 minute plane ride from Dubai. Went over there to work as a consultant. So we actually build the hospital from the ground floor up, mm -hmm. right? I'm talking about writing policies, procedures, the procurement of equipment and consumables, um, hiring, training staff, workflows, right? I work my butt off. So when it came time for a promotion, I knew I had it. Like, there's no way I wouldn't get promoted. Right. And so I didn't get the job. The excuse was, you need more experience. Okay, fine. Worked my butt off again, you know, stayed late, uh, came in to work on the weekends, just knowing I would get it the second time. Mm. Second time came around and the job went to a Caucasian woman um, who had less education, uh, less experience, wasn't clinical, mm. and she even received um, poor feedback on her performance. And on top of that, before they gave it to her, I even found out that they approached a white man who didn't even apply for the position Dang. and asked him if he wanted it, right? So reason, good reason, you know, I filed a grievance mm -hmm. because it didn't make sense. Well, then I became the angry black woman. Mm -hmm. And so um, I started to, you know, get bullied. Uh, people started to distance themselves from me. Like work just became a nightmare. And even to the point where it started affecting my health. So I had an opportunity to leave that position, which was the best thing, right? And go work at a Fortune 500 company. So I had such high hopes and aspirations that, you know, this would be a fresh start. And like, I was naive enough to believe that I was going to retire <laughs> from this company, right? So I started and it was the typical situation. Everyone's excited to see you, you know, oh my gosh, welcome aboard, you know, share your ideas, you know, we're welcome to change. Mm -hmm. So from the beginning, something didn't feel right. It was a team of four Caucasian women. All of them were in their 50s. I had more education. I was the youngest one. So immediately, you know, something in my gut told me, hmm, this doesn't feel right. So anyway, they were eager to hear, you know, what ideas and suggestions I had to make the company better. And so that's what I did. I started sharing, you know, ideas. They didn't like that, right? Some other things were happening at the company. For one, um, in the Middle East, it's very diverse. So we have people all over the world, right? India, Philippines, Australia, Europe, South Africa. So the minorities were, you know, at entry level or mid-level positions and all the whites were in senior leadership positions. And so they made the work environment very toxic. Right. There was one woman that would talk about um, the complexion of our skin. Mm. Um, she would talk about the texture of our hair. Um, she would make fun of, you know, cultural foods. Right. So people would have to eat lunch in their car because they were afraid to eat their, um, you know, cultural dishes in the office. Also, I was not receiving, you know, adequate support for my onboarding. And so between all of that, you know, I raised my concerns. So I went from being this bright, young, intelligent young woman 
to this was the first uh, incident. So the first incident, I was accused of being insubordinate. Mm. And this came about because I had a job buddy or like a job coach, someone to help me on board. And she did not like that, you know, my teammates took to me, the clients liked me. And so she ordered me to sit next to her in the office and not talk to anyone else. Stop it. I'm I'm dead serious. I'm a grown woman in my 30s, right? So, of course, I was insubordinate. I'm not listening to you. (laughs) Like, I can talk to whomever or sit wherever I want She wanted you to come sit next to her like a child and a parent? Or no, like a slave. Oh, wow. Like I was her property. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? So, I got written up. Second (laughs) accusation was um, I was aggressive. So I was in a one-to-one meeting with my job coach, the same woman, and she said I threatened her in the meeting. So she went back and told my manager, of course, I said, absolutely not. That is not me. And so after confiding in a coworker, I sent my manager um, a list of events with the dates and times of everything, what was going on. Celebrate 50 years of the Timberland original yellow boot and the culture that made it an icon. The Timberland Hip Hop Royalty Boot remixes the classic in a glorious purple waterproof leather with premium crafted details inspired by the four pillars of hip hop, DJing, graffiti, emceeing, and breakdancing. Get yours in select stores or at Timberland.com. Available in men's, women's, and youth sizes. Timberland, built for the bold. Do you know my manager forwarded it to her? Wow. And so at that time, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, I felt helpless, lonely, isolated. And I did the correct protocol. I followed the chain of command to voice my concerns. But that's when I discovered that they were friends. Oh, right. And so my wow. manager was protecting her. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So what happened last? broke me to the core. I never realized people could be so vindictive and evil in the workplace. So I went away on a business trip and I didn't have my corporate credit card at the time because I'd only been there um, three months, right? By the way, I only lasted four months at this company. So my job buddy signed her credit card authorization form, said that I can use hers until I get mine because the company will reimburse her. Fine, fair enough. When I came back from my trip, she accused me of stealing her credit card and using it without her permission. There was no HR investigation. Uh, No one even had a meeting with me to hear my side of the story, even though I had all the evidence and her signature on the credit card authorization. I was going to say, like, how how is there's a paper trail for that? Like, how do Mm -hmm. they ignore it? But go ahead. I'm sorry. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to keep my Mm -hmm. frustration for you down. (laughs) Exactly. So it gets better. So. To, they knew at this point, because I confided in several uh, coworkers, so they knew that there were some people, you know, trying to protect me. So to solidify my termination, they went all the way up to the regional vice president and told him about the situation. And of course, if the regional vice president says, yes, get rid of someone, you know, no one's going to put their job on the line to help me. Right. So I'll never forget, I was sitting at work one day. 
And right when I came back from my business trip, I received an email that another coworker, a white coworker, was supposed to escort me to the corporate office. So I had to drive her in my car. I guess they, I guess they thought I was going to escape or run away. Mm. And she escorted me to the corporate office. My manager calls her on her cell phone, not my phone. She puts uh, my manager on speaker and she fires me right in front of a coworker. And the excuse was, you know, your behavior is questionable and we don't want people like you working for this organization. I swear. Yep. They confiscated all of my belongings. All my documentation was on my laptop. So I didn't even have a chance, you know, to forward it uh, to my personal email address. They confiscated everything. And so there I was fired, stuck in another country. So let me just give you some context. They they didn't even bring you back? Nope. Fuck. Nope. So let me give you the context behind this. When you're fired in America, you can stay in your home or apartment, right? You can continue to Mm. use your credit cards, drive your car, you know, keep your cell phone. So because I was not a a resident or citizen of the country, I was there on a work visa. You got to get out. Well, you do, but I had a travel ban placed on me. Damn. So I was I was stuck in the country. So even if I tried to go to the airport, I would have been blocked at the airport. And the reason why they do that is because you have to pay back all of your debt. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So any loans, credit cards, um, your lease, um, your car note, right? All of that has to be paid off before you can leave the country. Wow. And so, yeah, so I was stuck there for three weeks, terrified out of my mind because I didn't know if these women were vindictive enough to go to the police, right? And this is a Muslim country. The laws are totally different. I'm a single woman in a foreign country being terminated for theft. So I was terrified. The only times I left my apartment was to go pay off my bills. That's it. And so I didn't even tell my friends. And and that's how powerful, you know, systemic racism is. It is so powerful to have you feeling ashamed and embarrassed of something you didn't even do. So I didn't even tell my friends what happened. So anyway, luckily I did have the money. I was able to pay off all of my debt and I was able to leave the country um, safe and unharmed. However, two weeks after returning back, my niece passed away. So you're back in the U.S. now. I'm back in the U.S. Three weeks later, I managed to safely leave, came back to the state. Two weeks after being here in the States, my niece passed away. Mm. So you're talking about, I mean, multiple traumatic events, Um, losing your job, deformation of character, you know, loss of your support system, Mm. financial constraints, moving across the world and now death. And so, you know, as as a black woman, you know, trying to be strong. No one knew what happened to me. I didn't tell anyone. And my family just lost the long, the youngest member in our family. So, you know, now's not the time. Mm. I have to be strong for them. 
or so I thought, because that's what we do, right? Well, my body said otherwise. Mm-hmm. Two days after my niece passed away, I was lying in bed, had a heart attack mm. in my 30s. And so I knew, all right, Kim, you need to get it together because you're going to have a nervous breakdown. And I can't afford to get ill because I wasn't working. I didn't have health insurance, right? So full transparency, found a therapist. And unfortunately, it wasn't helpful. And so now what do you do? Everyone says, go get help, go see a therapist. But what do you do when therapy doesn't help? Right? So I had a choice to make. I didn't want to sit around feeling sorry for myself. So I've always been fascinated, again, resiliency, Mm -hmm. right? Why is it that some people can go through tragedy and adversity and come back, you know, stronger, wiser, better and go on to help other people? So I wanted to know that for myself. And so that's when I became a uh, mental health coach and a behavior change specialist. And so what I did, I took the principles that I was studying and applied the methodologies into my personal life to help me heal. And I promise you, within a matter of weeks, I started seeing, you know, positive changes in my life, or so I thought. Mm. So then, this is three months later, the pandemic. (laughs) Then, I think we were five months into the pandemic we witnessed the murder of George Floyd. And I thought I had healed, but I was just suppressing everything that happened to me. Because mind you, it was still fresh. It was only about seven or eight months that had passed. Mm -hmm. And when I saw a man getting murdered, you know, on video, crying out for his mom, oh, it triggered something in me. It, It just brought up everything because it made me realize, wow, You know, they can literally do, you know, say anything, even take our lives. They can treat us any way they want to. Mm -hmm. And get away with it and nothing will happen. And I knew that, you know, I wasn't healed yet. There's still work to be done. And so around that time, I don't know if you remember, but you slowly started to see people come out about, you know, their stories about their experiences with uh, systemic racism. And so, yeah, that's when Dee and I really started to get the attention that it Mm -hmm. deserved. So I had an opportunity to share my story with a small media company because I thought, I said to myself, I need to heal. And the only way that I'm going to heal is I need to talk about this and get it off of my chest. And Darius, oh my God, when that story came out, it went viral. Hundreds of people either publicly commented on the post or DM'd me saying, me too, Mm -hmm. you know, something similar happened, or I'm currently going through microaggression at the workplace. And the stories were heartbreaking. I mean, I had people reach out to me who had attempted suicide, um, people who are in therapy, people who lost everything because they were fired and they weren't able to find a job to pay their mortgages. It was just heartbreaking. And so at that moment, I knew this is my calling. You know, like you said, this is my superhero story because this work is challenging. It's stressful. It's mentally draining. And it takes a special person to do this type of work. 
And so shortly after that, I had a chance to co-author a book with 12 other uh, courageous Black women. So the book is called Everyday Struggle, How Toxic Workspaces Impact Black Women. And wouldn't you know, within the first week, it became a number one new release on Amazon under business conflict resolution. Love it, love it. And so, yeah, yeah. And so even though that's great news, you know, it just highlights, you know, how many people are suffering yeah. in the workplace, not even in the workplace, but the legal system, um, you know, um, the banking, you know, every industry, yeah. there is, yeah, systemic racism is embedded in every industry. And so that is my, you know, superhero story. <laughs> That's a, that is a hell of a story. So there are a couple of things I want to dig into about the story real quick. One, um, I think, I think most of us recognize what a coach is at this point, but you mentioned the behavioral change specialist. What, what, what is that? Absolutely. So it's looking at your thought process, right? Because a lot of people don't realize what you feel you think about, right? And then your thoughts influence your behaviors. So I'll give you a perfect example. That experience caused me to be paranoid Mm. and I didn't trust people. And so I had a job for a little bit when I first came back, uh, maybe about two, three months after I got back, I ended up getting a job. And so I was paranoid to the point where if I saw people, you know, standing in a corner, um, I would think, yeah, oh my God, are they talking about me? Or if I get an email from my manager, my first uh, instinct is to think, oh my God, he's going to fire me. Mm. And that's trauma because of what happened to me at my previous job. And so what I was able to do is to reframe my thought process and it's work, but you have to challenge yourself and say, you know, do I have any evidence? To support, you know, I had a great relationship with that manager. Why would he send me an email out of the blue to fire me? So that's what, you know, behavior change or cognitive behavioral therapy is. It's funny to to hear you talk about that because I think so many of us deal with these issues and Mm -hmm. we just accept or assume that this is normal. This is how it is. This is mm-hmm. how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. We don't even recognize sometimes that there's a deeper issue that's causing mm-hmm. us to have to manage through all this undue and extra stress that's coming mm-hmm. from our experiences that now live inside of us. I mean, because I deal with that all the time. Even now, I, I deal with that, right? You, you, you get an email, and before you open it, even though you know it shouldn't be anything bad, you still have that internal reaction, that doom mm-hmm. and gloom feeling of, is this the one? Like, did they figure it? Did they mm-hmm. figure it out that that I'm not this good, or or do they dislike me so much that I'm about to be let go? Even though there's a side of you that recognizes this email is probably perfectly fine. We we go to that place. So a behavior mm-hmm. change special. That's that's what we need to enroll in our lives to help us move past that. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's all because of past trauma, yeah. and it even not to get off subject, but it even filters over into relationships, mm-hmm. right? If you've been in relationships where you know, unfortunately, there was infidelity. When you enter into a new relationship, if you're not careful, yep. you will bring that baggage and trauma from that relationship into the yep. new one. And so your new mate, he he or she might not be doing anything yep. wrong, but because, you know, you have those thoughts in your head, it's going to project in your yep. behavior and how you engage You may see perfectly fine behavior that you interpret as something negative because of your past experiences. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I get that. Exactly. I get that. Something else you said. Um, you talked about 
toxic, an environment being toxic, a person being toxic, a situation being toxic. And that is a word that we use to death. So I want to ask you kind of along the same lines, when people are operating in a space where there is healing that needs to happen and work that needs to be done, but they don't even recognize it because this is just life. How do people truly recognize what's toxic if we're just used to accepting what's given? That's a good question. Oh, gosh. You know, it's funny you asked me that because when I was going through my experiences, mm-hmm. uh, and these were Black people that said this to me, you know, they were like, girl, you know, just get over yeah. it. You know, it's always like that or that's how it is. And it's really sad that we've been conditioned to, you know, one, accept this behavior yeah. and to, you know, put ourselves, subject ourselves to environments that are unhealthy to us mentally and physically. Yeah. And so I would challenge anyone, you know, how do you feel? You know, I, I know we're remote now, but how do you feel when you log into Zoom meetings, right? Are there certain individuals there that give you anxiety or that make you nervous? Or if you receive, you know, if you see a name from an email Mm -hmm. from a certain person, you know, does your, you know, heart rate Mm -hmm. (laughs) increase, you know? Pay attention to your thoughts. What are you thinking when you're around certain people or when you're working on certain projects, right? That's an indicator that not to get all, you know, science. Mm, uh, you're fine. <laughs> we we you, teach here. This is what this is about. Get sciencey. <laughs> go, go ahead. Nerd out all that. <laughs> but yeah, when we are under stress, our body releases cortisol, right? Now, cortisol in short-term situations is good, mm-hmm. right? So like, I'm nervous now because I'm on this podcast. But when you have your cortisol released in situations like this, it makes you perform better, mm-hmm. right? Stress becomes a problem when it's long term. Mm -hmm. And so if you've been on a job and ever since you've been on that job, you're on blood pressure medication now or you've been diagnosed with diabetes. Oh, boy, it might might be time to interview and get the hell out. (laughs) That's a sign. When your job gives you diabetes, that's a goddamn problem. If you don't get... That is a sign. But but we're joking, but we don't recognize that, right? We just assume Mm -hmm. it's high stress, Mm -hmm. I'm getting paid, this is okay, I'll work through that. I I, I get it. Exactly. That's life. It's normal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's funny because I just heard my Slack notification go off. And as you talk about the little things that cause a reaction, what I have learned, Mm -hmm. and I've been working through it, is that the sound that my Slack notification makes gives me anxiety. It's not long term, but it is in that moment. Like when I hear that thing goes off, I, I don't mm-hmm. breathe. I clinch. Mm-hmm. Like I feel all these different things that I associate with that sound because mm-hmm. that means there's a need, there's a question, there's a problem. And it stems directly from the kind of work I do. It's, it's in the mm-hmm. IND space and it is often high pressure. It is often put out this fire right now work. And I have begun to associate that noise with it's, it's mm-hmm. go time. Let's get up. Let's go. It's almost like mm-hmm. if you were a fireman, when that when that bell goes off, when that alarm goes off, you you feel it's time to jump into action. And it's not it's not horrible, but it is noticeable. And I've tried to be more cognizant of the things that create that feeling inside of me. All right. So an, another mm-hmm. thing that you mentioned was the word strong or strength. So I want to take this turn right in the black community. We talk about this term all the time. And there's now 
there's a lot of conversation on both sides. Do we want to be strong black women? Do we want to be strong black men? Do we have to be strong black women? Do we have to be strong black men? When is it okay to not be strong? Is it okay to not be strong? Is the opposite of strength weakness, right? All these conversations Mm -hmm. are happening. So what is your perspective on using the word strong in a sense of how we manage and mitigate risk and things at work? Yeah, great question. We try. Oh, wow, Black, we try to come up with some good ones now. We try. I see. I see. You put me on the spot here. But um, no, um, I feel like being strong is a sign of weakness, right? Because we all have, you know, weaknesses that we can work on yeah. or we all need help in life, right? Especially within the past two years. Yeah. And to sit there and suffer in silence, knowing that you need help, knowing that you're tired and burned out and struggling and it's affecting your health and affecting your relationships. And for you to sit back and still act like, I'm good, I got it. To me, that's a sign of weakness, right? I think it it takes strength to admit that you need help, right? You're talking to me. You're talking to me right now. (laughs) You're talking to me right now. I'm good. I'm I'm good. I'm good. I got this. I'm good. I'm used to this. I'm good. No, no, I got it. I'm good. I'm good. You need some help. Oh, boy, your eyes are bleeding. That's normal. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm I'm good. I'm going to rock with it. That's not blood. That's, you know, that's a doctor. I'm good. No, we we, we, we good. We covered. We all right. We all right. Bro, your arm fell off. No, no, no. It's it's, it's detachable. It's detachable. No, no, I'm cool. My daddy daddy built them different. I'm good. I'm different. Yeah. (laughs) But go ahead. I'm sorry. But yeah, no. So, so you get what I'm saying. What and I feel like, you know, as a community, Black people, you know, we need to lean into each other. You know, my weakness might be your strength mm. and you can help me and pull me up and vice versa. And so I feel like we'll never get anywhere if we, you know, sit back and pretend that everything is okay when it's not. We can see it. I mean, I don't know about you, but how is it engaging with someone who's stressed out? Yeah, it sucks. It's not fun. Yeah, they have attitudes, they're tired, they're angry, upset all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a strong black woman. I know my limitations and I know when to reach out and ask for yeah. help. You know, this is an important question, right? What can happen when we ignore those signs? When your body is telling you, listen. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We understand you're strong. This ain't the time to be strong, right? This is the mm-hmm. time to stop and go get help. What happens when we ignore that for too long? Yeah, so again, the long-term effects of increased cortisol in the bloodstream is, you know, headaches. It starts off slow by, you know, getting the constant daily headaches, mm-hmm. right? Um, depending on how you manage stress, you might start to uh, gain weight or lose weight, depending on what your eating habits well, are. I wish I had that part um, of the problem, but we'll go ahead. Irritability, you know, when we're, everyone is guilty of it when we're stressed out. We tend to be, you know, a little bit um, less, you know, uh, more impatient mm-hmm. and snap at people, right? Um, fertility issues mm. are 
one of the results of um, being stressed out. And then you start to go into the more serious uh, consequences like sleep deprivation, um, increased blood pressure, right? Um, diabetes, hypertension. And then when you start getting around to strokes and heart attacks, it's, it's important to make a lifestyle change immediately. Yeah. You have to get help at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's real. It's like, folks, you know, she, you're, you're learning from her experience. You're learning from the fact that she laid in the bed and suffered from a heart attack from an abundance of stress. Like, I know mm-hmm. we, we, we love to hold up in the black community as if we are super men and super women. We love to tell the world that I, I got it. But here's the thing. You do have it until you don't. And when you don't, like, that's disaster. That's when all of a sudden you fall and your family falls or your, your homeboy falls or your cousin falls or your sister falls. But when you fall, somebody's going with you. You're going to land on someone. You're going to hurt someone. And, and let's be honest, right? You, you, you may not recover, right? I, I went through a situation last year with, with my best friend who was under an immense amount of stress and he ended up having a medical issue that literally almost took him out. And so myself and all his other friends and his wife and his family you know, we spent 24 hours hating to hear the phone ring, wondering was that the call that said he's gone, right? And, and, and this, is, this is the same homeboy that he and I used to jump on the phone and almost brag about the stress we felt from being as busy as we were because someplace, someplace in our story, we redefined success as busy. Someplace in, in that story, we decided that when we woke up in the morning, if we took 10,000 steps, each step in a different direction, we were successful. When in, when, when, in, when in reality, all we did was move around in a circle and end up with hurt feet, but we weren't any closer to any goal. And it literally almost took him out, right? I've watched, I've watched my own blood pressure Skyrocket. There have been moments where my blood pressure has been 180, 190 over 120, mm-hmm. right? This, you're talking stroke range, to your point. And, mm-hmm. and I've been so stressed that I can't sleep. Or when I do sleep, I can't stay asleep. Or when I'm awake, I can't control where my mind goes anymore. Like, these are real things that we deal with, and it's not normal. It's not okay, right? Like, I, I love the fact that this is what you're doing. I, I want to ask another yeah. question, and then, then I want to get into your organization a little bit. We have talked about stress as it exists in the workplace, manifesting from systematic racism and, and issues that are there. But let's let's talk about what it looks like, right? Because your your boss doesn't come to you and say, you know what? You're stressed. And because you're stressed, we're gonna write you up. What they say is you're underperforming. What what they uh-huh. say is people can't work with you. What, what, what they might say if they care a little bit is, hey, you look tired and stressed. Are you okay, right? That, maybe that's where you want them to go. But let, let's talk about how does this manifest in you, not just personally, but what does it look like at work? How does it show up in your performance evaluation? How can you be strategic in how you build your way out of this? Yeah. Oh, wow. So when we are stressed, one, we start making more mistakes. Uh, you know, the typos on the email, or we might forget about meetings yep. or show up late to meetings. Um, we might miss deadlines. 
right? Um, how we engage with our coworkers. Um, again, we might be short-tempered with our staff. Um, or, you know, if you're Black, you have attitude, <laughs> you know? Um, and so you're not engaged, you know? You are less inclined to volunteer to work on projects or to spearhead initiatives. And so from the outside looking in, if no one knows what's going on with you, then yes, it would appear as if you're underperforming or you're disengaged. And so normally what happens in organizations is you get placed on performance perf- improvement, right? Good old pips. And, right. And I don't know who thought of this concept. Being, you know, watched and, you know, criticized for, you know, 60 days or 90 days, however long your PIP is, if anything, that makes people even more nervous and afraid, right? And, and then you start making, yeah, and stress. And then you start making more mistakes. So it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so most people who are placed on PIP, you know, don't make it yeah. because of that simple reason. Yeah. That's, and it's, it's so rough. But you know what? Yeah. I, I want to talk about um, solutions just a little bit, which ultimately is is the the place that your passion has delivered you to. It's you're not here to just talk about how it sucks to be stressed. You're not here to talk about yeah. how stress is a side effect of systematic racism at work at times, right? Because I want to be clear, I'm not also making an excuse, right? Sometimes we just underperform. Sometimes you're in the wrong job. Yeah. Like th- these are realities, but just as real is the fact that there are sometimes forces and things at work that impact you in a way that you aren't set up for success from the day you get there. It's never been equitable. It's never been fair. You've never been set up to perform, right? That's just as fair. So let, let's talk about a little bit about where your passion has taken you and what you're doing to make a change in this space. And on top of that, long question, how people have and can engage with you when they realize they need to the help themselves. Mm, all right. So part A of your question, <laughs> uh, what, <laughs> what I'm doing now. So um, in the midst of me writing books and all this other work, I got a certificate uh, for diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. And so what I've managed to do, and I've created like my own niche with DEI, mm-hmm. but what I do, I have um, integrated wellness into diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the reason being is because we talked a lot about the physical aspect of stress, but we didn't hit on the mental health aspect Mm. of it. And I'm sure you've noticed there's been uh, an uptick in suicides in the Black community. And, um, you know, microaggression and systemic racism in the workplace can impact your mental health. And so it's my mission to show organizations that when you have healthy and inclusive workplaces, you know, people can show up and perform at their best and thrive and feel psychologically safe to be themselves. And so that's what I'm doing now. And how can you get in touch with me? So very active on LinkedIn. My website is www.kimali, that's Kim with a Y. <laughs> and you can email me at info at kimali.com. I love it. You know what? Um, let's, you're, you're right. And it's, it's, so, it's so odd that we didn't go in there because we talk about this so much, but let's kind of backtrack a little bit. Let's, let's go into the mental impacts, right? Let's, let's talk mm-hmm. about what do you feel? Like I, I alluded to when I talked about like, I went through a period where it was really, really tough for me to control 
my own thoughts. And, and, and just for people who haven't experienced that, it's not that I was laying in bed and, and I was thinking about flying a kite and then I was thinking about racing a car and then I was thinking about eating. It was my mind was stuck focusing on the problems that I felt like I had. And no matter what, I could not make it stop. I couldn't, I couldn't focus on the game. I couldn't focus on a movie because my mind went back to my stressors and it kept running through the problems over and over, but in a non-systematic way. It wasn't thinking through how to solve. It was just, it was like my brain was screaming at me, problem, problem, problem. And it was every problem that I had. So I had to listen to my brain scream about the 14 problems in one moment. And you can't solve anything when it's all being thrown at you. So I just wanted to add that clarity when I say my mind was racing. That's what that felt like to me. And I know for other people, it appears in other ways, but that's how it was for me. So let's talk a little bit about what are some of the mental impacts? What, what can they look like? What can they feel like? And how do we begin to push back? Because again, you may not even recognize what's happening. Yeah. Um, so from personal experience, I could tell you with me, I went through depression when all of that was going on at my job. And when I came back to the States, um, you know, for just a tiny moment, you know, I thought, what is the point of me even being mm. here? You know, how am I going to bounce back from this? Yeah. You know, when you're, if I were in my 20s, fine, in your 30s, trying to literally rebuild your life. Like I was living in my brother's basement. Yeah. So, but, you know, once I started to think that way, I had to snap out of it. But, you know, when you, when you are depressed, you know, take heed to your daily activities. So are there things that you used to enjoy that don't bring you pleasure anymore? Do you find yourself doing a little bit too much of watching Netflix, right? Um, are you distancing yourself from friends and family? Um, hygiene, that is a big indicator mm. of, you know, depression. Um, you know, people have a tendency not to, you know, take care of themselves. Um, what else? You know, eating habits. Have you started eating more or are you eating less? Um, anxiety. You know, I had anxiety as well when I was going through that situation. Do you feel like you're more paranoid? So do you think things about people that you don't have any evidence to support, but because of what's happening in your life right now, that's what your mind is thinking, yeah. right? So those are so just, you know, uh, sleep. Yeah, sleep deprivation. Perfect example. I've gone through periods in my life where it's like you're, you can't stop thinking. Your mind is racing in your sleep, right? And then you wake up and you're exhausted for the whole day and you can't think or function. So those are signs yeah. that, you know, Something is going on and that you definitely, it's okay to say you're not okay. Yeah. Please get help if any of this resonates yeah. with you. And one thing, I, actually two things I want to say. One, talking about sleep while black, we are getting ready to have that conversation as well about the impacts of sleep, sleep medicine, sleep apnea, how these things have real impacts on you. So be looking out for that. The other thing I want to add in here is that pay attention to your friends, right? Pay attention to your family. Because Kim mentioned several things that and how they manifest in a person, they truly may not really notice or they may not be able or willing to handle it or to notice it or to accept it or to speak on it. So like the, the people in your life that you care about, don't be afraid to ask them, right? Hey, are you okay? I noticed this, right? You know, we can always make a joke and say, hey, homeboy, you know, you, 
you've been musty for three days, right? But, but in all seriousness, let's, let's, let's ask about them. Are they usually musty? Like, if no, right, let's, let's, let's check on them. Let's see what's going on with it. But, you know, we, we're laughing, but I've seen it play out in, in family and yeah. friends, right? I, I have been around and I have seen people who there were noted changes in their behavior, but no one said anything. And then you look up down the road, three months, four months, they're really sick, right? They're, they're really hospitalized. Mm-hmm. They're really hurting. They're, 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 they're in a lot of need for support and healing. And I didn't say anything or, or my homeboy didn't say anything. And we had an opportunity to, right? And it's, it, you have to be careful, right? You don't want to rag them to death, but speak up, say something, ask a question. Like we joke about check on your strong friends, but check on your friends in general. Ask them, are they okay? Everyone. And just to add on to that, even the people that seem fine, check on mm, them because there is high functioning depression. Good I mean, look point. what happened with, you know, Miss USA. Yeah, great you know, point. everyone thought she was gorgeous, an attorney, you know, a beauty pageant winner. And, you know, her suicide came as a you know, complete shock to everyone. Yeah. So just check on everyone. Do your wellness checks on every single person that's a friend or relative yeah. of yours. And operate with some grace. I've heard some conversations specifically around that. And I've heard people say she was rich and she was beautiful. And, and, and it wasn't the wasn't hell that she have to kill herself for. You never know what someone's going through. Mm-hmm. You never exactly. know the way something can impact you, your mind, the way you think. Like these, these things can alter who you are at your core. Look out for people. Check on people. Check on yourself, right? It's all important stuff. Kim, this has been absolutely amazing. One question I definitely want to ask is that you are the smarter of the two of us here, especially when it comes to these <laughs> topics, right? And, and I would be too silly to assume that I've asked all the right questions. So one very important question is, what is something, if anything, right? Maybe I am great. Who knows? But what is something in your world and in your experience that you feel is important to share with this audience that I haven't asked you about? Mm, If I could have the audience uh, walk away with one message, Mm -hmm. and that would be, you know, therapy is not just for white people. Amen. Um, You know, therapy, coaching, you know, is powerful. Everyone needs someone who is neutral to look at their life and, you know, either give them some guidance or support or maybe identify something that they can't see that could propel them to the next level. So perfect example, I always like to ask people to touch your nose, right? So Darius, go ahead, touch your nose. Now, can you see your finger? Yes, sort of. Sort Not really, right? It, you can't see it. I think I just know it's, it's there more than anything. <laughs> like I, I can see, I can see my knuckle, and you know, it's. I know it's there. That's what it is. You know it's there, but you can't see the whole picture because you're too attached to it. It's too close to you. I know you got me looking crazy so, on my on my video here. <laughs> So that's the point of having, you know, coaching or therapy, because they can see the full picture of your life, even when you can't. Mm. That is powerful. That is powerful. Listen, Wild Black, she she is not telling you any lies. Um, We've talked about mental health. We've talked about therapy. We've talked about wellness. We've talked about counseling. Um, I love to to bring, bring up guests in the past who've done this. 
you, you, you've got Dr. Joy. She's been on the show before. Dr. Joy Bradford, she is a therapist, psychologist, all that kind of stuff like that. She's got the website, Therapy for Black Girls, if you're looking for something that you might be able to reach out to. And of course, our guest today, Kim, is experienced in this field as well. Make sure you go engage with her. Make sure you go follow her. I'm going to ask her one more time to share her socials and how she can how you can contact her. But take this serious because it is serious. Kim, if you wouldn't mind sharing with the folks one more time how they can find you, how they can follow you, and how they can engage with you. Yes. So again, very active on LinkedIn. Don't be afraid to send me a message. My website is www.kimali. That's uh, Kim with a Y, not an Mm -hmm. I. Or you can email me at info at kimali.com. And listeners, as you know, we will have all of that information in our episode notes, show description. So please go find it, reach out if you need it, and really, really, really take care of yourselves. Kim, you got anything before we get out of here? Y'all, just be kind to yourselves. And, you know, we'd love to hear your experiences while being Black. Amen, amen, amen. While Black, with that peace, we out. We love you. Who needs an alarm in the morning? When McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. And a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.